0: Here's Lisa living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald.
1: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. In fact, this is a returning guest. Just recently, I interviewed Gordon Montgomery. We're doing a bit of a switcheroo today. He's going to be interviewing me on my platform so that we can get more people on his podcast so who is Gordon well Gordon Montgomery is a well-being coach evolutionary executive coach chief experience officer manager consultant innovation strategist experience designer author Irish ultra trail runner martial artist father polymath linguist reverend healer indigo alien vegan geek gordon works with visionary leaders to evolve wildest dreams into stark reality gordon guides visionary leaders through an energetic process of revolutionary upgrades rooted in fairness flowing from the highest version of their mission to design a wholly new experience his typical clients is often the type of leader who has always had a knowing that they see things differently especially in light of the coming technological and cultural challenges which we are calling wave 21 the outcome of this work is an evolved soulful vision and mission pragmatic reality for the client team and organization ultimately allowing access to actions for the most joyful possible experience. Born in the Revolutionary War-torn year of 1968, proud of his native Northern Irish home, Gordon had already emigrated and returned from Australia in the 1970s. He completed his early schooling at Portora Royal School in Enniskillen. As a young man, he traveled first to Southampton University, England, to attain his BA in Linguistics, Linguistics became fluent in French and modern languages before deepening his love affair with the enabling power of digital technology and people's lives. He consulted in London, starting at Arthur Anderson. His work took him to enterprises in continental Europe before completing his master's in software engineering at Napier University, Scotland finishing top, in human-computer interaction. His relocation in the late 1990s to the USA enabled him to continue to catch the business and technology management consulting wave, where he served and built businesses for 20 years, designing optimal experiences with the world's top corporate and academic institutions. Following a definitive life, wake-up call in 2008, catalyzed by the birth of his son, Rowan, and subsequent divorce, Gordon transitioned to becoming a futurist evolutionary executive coach in 2010 an ordained minister and received an honorary doctorate of divinity he now serves as a holistic well-being coach currently based in austin texas key organizational clients have included arthur anderson at&t dell harvard home shopping network lehman brothers microsoft mobile oil procter and gamble the state of florida university of texas and whole foods etc welcome back to the show my friend how are you
2: I'm fantastic. Who's that guy you just read out?
1: Who (laughs) who, who, is that? What a repertoire. Very impressive.
2: I love this. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. You know, I love standing in for Lisa on Lisa's own show because Lisa is the guest. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Well,
1: let's dive in. You take me wherever you want to go. I'm at the mercy and at the helm of you.
2: Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. You know, um, my experience of you is already, you know, in just the short time we've gotten to know each other this year, is just someone who's just very powerful, very giving, and like at the same time, very successful in her business. So I would just kind of like want to get the ball rolling here with you and say, you know, what is it? Like I ask you, what is it that, um, what were the turning points or the milestones along your pathway and, uh, you know, whatever number of years that is? Say that as well. Like, what are those kind of pivot points and were the active decisions or more kind of an ever were, were the revolutionary moments for you? Um, or was it more evolutionary and just like it's still growing, or is it like maybe a combination? So, what does that kind of like timeline look like wow, to wow, get wow. Used to this point? Yeah, like, yeah, let's wow, start wow,
1: wow. okay, that's a huge question, but it's an awesome one, and I appreciate it very much, Gordon. Um, So I'm going to very succinctly unpack this because I could take the whole show and 10 more shows to answer that. Um, So basically, as a result of having been on my own at 16 years old, I had to figure things out very quickly. I had to be financially independent. I needed to make strategic decisions in which to get myself on the trajectory of where I believed I was meant to be. Uh, And that's not to say that that didn't come with a lot of hard knocks, bad mistakes, poor decision making, but once I figured myself out and knew that I had something to offer to the world, based on personal circumstances and my backstory, which I'm not going to delve into because people who know me know that about me and it's all over social media Mm -hmm. it's in all my live streams, Um, but I... No coincidence, I gravitated towards social services. And so I was always about advocacy. I was always about empowering other people to empower themselves. And I really felt that I resonated with people who were perceivably the underdogs or the people who had been glossed over in society, uh, the have-nots, uh, the isms within our society, people who had been marginalized, oppressed, etc. And although I may not have related to their ex- specific ex- uh, life story or their circumstances and vice versa with them with me, at the humanistic level... I understood pain. I understood strife. I understood what it felt to feel disillusioned in a world where you just felt like trampled over all the time. And so that really emitted a fire within me and I climbed very quickly from uh, a student a graduating student to a frontline worker uh, to middle management to senior management to I couldn't go any higher for where I was at that point in time and so it was always about you know working very closely with both federal provincial government it was about bylaws it was about policies procedures it was, it was about getting people off waiting lists it was about getting people their needs and their plights in front of the camera in front of the government in front of whomever was instrumental in forging change and shifting change and so fast forward to when i became a single parent myself and at that point my children were then three and 18 months old i knew with all the transferable skills i had and i knew always feeling a calling to be of service and to pay it forward to other people the collective uh, I knew that I wasn't going to settle for anything mediocre, mediocre uh, in which to support my current circumstances of the time. So it was then that I decided to become entrepreneurial. I incorporated my transferable skills and I thought, you know what? I can still effectively shift change. I can still empower people to empower themselves. I can still advocate, but I can do it in the comfort of my own home and I can take it to a global international platform. Um, And I just kept building and scaling that because my purpose is to uplift people to fear less and to live more. And I believe everybody Uh, is immobilized by fear at some point, and it really is the defining discerning factor for do we play small, do we play big, do we just, you know, uh, succumb to whatever um, preconceived notions or people who had imparted certain messages of what they thought we were capable of or what we our lives should be and to to what degree we put a cap on that or we put a ceiling on that and so i've always been a bit of a rebel i've always been a bit of an outspoken person i don't i don't tolerate bs i'm very much about doing the inner work the shadow work uh, I'm always challenging myself. I'm my, my number one cheerleader, but I'm also my hardest critic. And so I'm very much about how can I help other people be successful in their own lives? How can I be the catalyst to uh, substantiate monumental shift and growth and momentum and development in other people's lives? So for me, it's I'm, I'm very much influenced by uh, intuitive callings, uh, call it universal nudges. Call it. I just trust my intuition. It's when I've not trusted my intuition where I've fallen flat on my face, and I always make that a mental note to myself. Okay, you turned a blind eye. You squashed the inner voice. Uh, you you didn't pay attention to what was around you. Don't make that mistake again. And I'm very cognizant of that. And so, um, and we all grow at different rates, right? Some people grow together. Some people grow apart. Um, I'm not here to get caught up in the analyticalness of that. I just want to keep going and going and going. And whoever wants to come along for the ride or who is receptive to my message, that's great. And for people who don't either because of where they're at within their awakening process or lack thereof, that's on them. I'm not here to, you know, change the world. I'm here to do my part in contributing and rolling up my sleeves.
2: Oh, my goodness. That is just absolutely amazing. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, for anyone listening, you know, to this right now, and I know there are something like 8 million worldwide, right, registered folks, um, you know, who can have access to this. Like, Lisa, what you represent, like what I hear you saying is very evolutionary to my ears, at least. And I love that, you know, the sense of, that we are growing from our caterpillar stage through our cocoon to our butterfly. We're evolving all the time. We're taking, and I got very much here, and I know you've had said that kind of timeline story many times. I just love how succinctly you said it today and how powerfully that I really heard like this, you know, very, uh, you know, um, have kind of a, a metamorphic uh, pathway to the butterfly from the caterpillar, never really knowing that the butterfly stage is coming, or even that the butterfly only lasts 14 days. By the way, that most people skip that little part of that <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> it's like I'm a butterfly. Oh, I'm dead. There we go. Uh, yeah. But you know, but you know, and then you're kind of reproducing, right? You're reproducing that you know effect in the world. You're planting the seeds, you know, you know, or kind of uh, in the butterfly term, you know, making more butterflies more caterpillars and that we're kind of guided by this evolutionary process and it's not necessarily revol. It's like it's kind of funny at this you know time, right? As we become more successful, as a lot of people want us to be revolutionary. I get a lot of pressure that way too. They want, you know, they want you to kind of step out and just you know take a hard left turn or like it's almost you know kind of praised by the media too. That, you know, um, the more you kind of revolt against the current system and kind of fight the man and all of this sort of stuff, a lot of it with great merit, you know, that's kind of more like the pull and it's my sense, and I kind of hear this, you know, I kind of want your kind of feedback on it, that you see the world in a more evolutionary sense of evolving, you know, to kind of helping more people and living fearlessly.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I appreciate you seeing me and I appreciate you getting me, uh, especially in such a finite period of time, because there's people and we can all relate to this. There's people who have known me from day one and still don't have a clue what I'm about or who I am. And I'm beyond the point of explaining it. You're either right. receptive, <laughs> you, you, you you know, you either come along for the ride and learn <laughs> as we go, or you fade off into the background. But that's your choice because I invite everybody. Uh, some people yeah. just don't have the bandwidth to withstand where I'm going and what I'm all about. Um, and I don't personalize that. Right. And it's not about a hierarchy. It's not about status. It's not about ego. It's just, I'm so in the zone with what I believe in and knowing that I'm on a mission here within my purpose of uplifting people to fear less and to live more, uh, that, you know, this is beyond me now. Um, so, you know, I don't have time to get caught up in people's drama, toxicity, uh, people who haven't reached a point or a pinnacle within their lives where they still feel immobilized by fear or they're still stuck if they want to sign up or they want to be immersed in my land of living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald because they're committed to true growth and not wasting time and they want to be part of the solution as opposed to being problem saturated then i've got all the time in the world for you but for people Mm -hmm. who play games or they hide behind trauma victimology stories you know they just want to like rewrite the old story that's no longer serving them but they're not receptive to change or the tools and which to navigate that change and to have it precipitate change. Uh, sorry, I'm too busy doing good stuff in the world. I don't have time for that.
0: <laughs>
2: right, exactly. And you've shown that success. Like you know, we, you know, all of us who've been entrepreneurial or had one life and then switched to another life. You know, having not being sovereign over our lives, right? And having a boss or having somebody telling you what to do. And then you're like, you know what? I think I, I've got something I can contribute. You just start, right? You get it wrong. You get it right. You get it wrong, wrong, wrong. And then you get it right, right, right. And it's just this sort of like, and they're like, oh, that's my thing. And you, and you know, you, these have become very successful in your particular, you know, creation. Right. And of course, um, you know, the success is great, right? Like you say, like, look, I've only got time to work with people who want to be successful. In, in, and it's a very broad tent that you create. Um, and yet, you know, it's like there's certain things that are in the game you're playing and just other things, nothing wrong with them, but just they're just not part of your your success plan that you're working on. Is that a fair kind of way to look at it?
1: Well, it is, but I want, to, I want to say something. I want to capitalize on something you said to impress upon the listening audience and eventually the podcast subscribers. So success for me in my world with the mission that I'm on, my plight, my undertaking, my purpose, my calling, success for me is when I get the testimonials of, you know, as a result of having listened to your show or your live stream or reading your weekly newsletter or wherever people find me, I left an abusive relationship, or I decided to go back to school, or I decided to stand up for myself and use my voice because I now realize that I do matter and my feelings do matter. My position does matter. And when I come from a place of kindness, when I come from a place of transparency, when I come from a place of how can I do what works for me, make it work for the collective, then it doesn't matter whether people want to agree, disagree, get into a a pissing argument about certain things. If If what you're doing in your life is advantageous, beneficial, cathartic, healthy, instrumental in your own growth, and then you take the gift of what transformed you and make it the domino effect so other people can have that sense of success, AKA self empowerment, advocacy, um, shifting change, whatever. That's success for me. When I start to hear people really getting to a point where they fundamentally love their lives, they're in love with themselves from the point of view of, they recognize their worth, their value, their contributions, mm-hmm. um, then I know that I've done my job successfully.
2: That's so beautiful. I just really love that philosophy. And like, you know, to me, that's what's important in all of this. I mean, on my own podcast, I'm mean, just plug it for a quick millisecond, like Exovation, like the net name that I made up, Exovation, this is about experiential innovation and creating a new experience of life and i think that's a lot of what aligns you and i Lisa, is that you know you're like living fearlessly like it's not a made-up thing like it's like that's actually who you are like there's no distinction i would say between like how you express yourself to the world in a business fashion and be successful and the person that you actually are like having had you know personal conversations with you as well as these different you know podcast conversations like, I just think your philosophy is like an as-lived philosophy. It reminds me, actually, if I can make just quickly divert a quick, you know, piece. Yes. Um, reminds me a lot of the Hindu, uh, you know, philosophy, which is the origin of Ayurveda and yoga and a lot of meditation techniques. A lot of these kind of 5000 thousand euro And they have basically, within the Hindu philosophy, four, you know, basically outcomes of life uh, that they're look, working on. What is Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha? Mm-hmm. And these four terms from in Sanskrit uh, refer to sorting out your life, dharma; sorting out your wealth and well-being and your livelihood and your family and security, you now called artha. Then this whole idea of desires, like you can actually desire things and be passionate and be physical, which is Kama, And then this whole idea of like getting this kind of final freedom and kind of enlightenment, which they call moksha. And when I start looking at, you know, your life, your wealth, your desire, your enlightenment, like I, like I see a lot of parallels and I know that you're not necessarily following a, a Hindu tradition or anything. And uh, that's something I particularly have looked into myself. Um, but I hear a lot of that in, in how you approach life philosophically. Would you say you have like any structure like that, like that any sort of like, framework or like what is your kind of like conscious awareness of what you're creating I get that you know when people give you that feedback and they're successful like you know that's huge and I I get that too and my question is like is there like a philosophical structural underpinning of any sort that that you just maybe even you know privately of like okay these are the broad directions I'm going in like these are what I want to impact
1: That's a really, I I love the deepness and the depth of that question. And so, you know, the first thing that springs to mind intrinsically is the kinship that I feel to my grandmother, who's now deceased, Uh, Mm. you know, she's crossed over, she's evolving on different planes now. Um, but she was from Shillong, India, her family, they were born into wealth. They had a, um, uh, oh. an Assam tea plantation and, um, In Sri
2: Lanka, right? Sh- Sri Lanka, Shillong, right? Shillong.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so she belonged to part of what was called, cause it was all about caste and, and clans. And and so she belonged mm-hmm. to what was called the Karsi clan. And so she was always, um, she was always an empath and i feel like i very much have followed suit i mean she was once a teacher uh she had also worked with uh children in a school setting they were intellectually uh differently abled uh, cognitively had different challenges things of that nature and so when i would go to england because she as a young girl the family moved to england uh, where she lived out the rest of her life Um, When I would be visiting in England, she would have these children uh, who were intellectually uh, differently abled in her home. So I was always exposed to the underpinnings of her humanitarianism. I was always exposed to... Um, you know, the importance of giving back and the importance of knowing that everybody belongs and everybody deserves to be seen and everybody has their own unique gift. And we can always learn from other people, even if those other people are perceivably, in some ways, disadvantaged or come with their own set of problems or whatever the case may be. It it was very humbling for me as a child to have that kind of uh, introductory exposure to what we're all here to do collectively and what matters and where we should be placing our time, attention, and energy and really tapping into other people's issues, other people's hardships. Um, because anyway, so I get a lot of who I am and I feel where I've evolved into and am committed to continually evolving into and in my path and my journey and the trajectory of my future and my life. Uh, from the early on lessons of my grandmother having been such a good role model in in the world of humanity.
2: Yes uh, you know I love that you actually tied it back on a um, you know kind of a family bloodline uh, and I didn't even know that about you by the way that you had a South India <laughs> connection uh, which is phenomenal. Um, haven't also grown up a lot of my teenage years and early 20s in around the UK, I have that kind of more Indian connection as well before moving to the States. I love that, you know, philosophically, because, you know, like, what is there to do ap- apart from doing what really matters? And I think, you know, right now, it's very interesting. Like, what does matter? Like, you're know, like <laughs> right at this point in time. Here we are, you know, um, kind of, you know, mid uh, 2020 you know, in the middle of kind of COVID and stuff, and then, you know, being successful, creating what we're here to create. And like, you know, does this even matter? Like, does it matter what we're creating? Um, You know, I think that's kind of like, you know, and obviously the answer is yes. And then it's like, well, you know, to what extent do you deal with the external realities that we're told and how are we getting this information? So I kind of wanted to focus in on that part of you know, what does matter? I, I personally um, have recently stopped reading social media. So I post to, I have social media accounts still with, you know, thousands of people on there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I just don't, I don't read it anymore. I don't have the apps on my devices. I don't go there. I don't read comments or anything. Um, it's become like a one-way broadcast. I just decided that, you know, what was coming in to me just didn't matter. Like it, there was just nothing there that, was a, that really had any real uh, kind of, you know, um, solidity to it. It it wasn't really a foundation at all. It was just a lot of opinions and kind of debates. And I I think this is like one of the things we're finding is we're, you know, solo entrepreneurs or with small teams is that, you know, a lot of how we're, in the public at large, how we're parsing, you know, what matters in society is coming at us, you know, (laughs) through social media or through various media and kind of being filtered. So kind of that was my, my, my kind of next thing to kind of dig a bit you know further into is what you just said like um how do you discern you know um what really matters
1: well it's interesting that you're saying this because uh you know the other night I did a live stream and I was talking about how and and this and it was interesting when you and I had our conversation about doing the show this Friday um you know and I said I'm going to be taking a break. from work in August. I'm just going to live out the summer with my kids. Uh, I don't know what homeschooling or the schooling situation looks like come September. And, you know, juggling entrepreneurial with my kids having been let go for March break and March break turned into here we are in July, almost August, all and year.
0: Yeah.
1: all year. So, I mean, You know, I'm trying to recalibrate my energies, not knowing what the lay of the land looks like for kids returning to school or not returning to school in September. And I know the grind uh, that that took on me fatigue-wise, and I've got to keep myself rejuvenated and things of that nature. So I did a live stream, and I just basically talked a little bit about you know, I'm giving people the courtesy. Um, I'm giving you the, the heads up. Uh, you know, I've got Gordon Montgomery coming on radio. Then I'm going to do my follow-up feature article on Thrive Global. He'll be reflected in the coinciding newsletter on the following Saturday. And then I'm done people. <laughs> I'm done. And when you and I had spoken, you had talked about, uh, and very kindly sent me a link, which I did upload to my social media. Um, and we talked about, August 8th. So do you want to talk a little bit about that because there's a lot of people who are tuned into this program. It's not just about business. It's it's the mind, body, spirit connection which anybody who's tapped into those three elements is successful in business. And so that would resonate with a lot of my demographic in terms of listenership. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yes, exactly. Now you're now you're not becoming a guest. Right now, you're like you're Lisa taking over. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> help
1: <it. laughs> can't help it.
2: Can't help it. I love it. No, it's perfect because you know it's exactly we're just ping ponging back and forth basically as we always do, which is excellent. Um, yeah, like for sure. You know, there's a there's an energetic timeline. You know um, that we all kind of live inside of. I mean, you only have to look at the moon. Uh, you know, and the moon's celestial you know, ability to move the ocean, right? Like we know that the tides scientifically are moved by the moon. Um, again, I'm not going to purport to be any sort of scientists or, you know, astronomer or astrologist or any of the above. Um, and we do know with the moon in particular, you know, it has effects um, on moving the tides. You know, the sun out there, you know as far away as it is also you know it's kind of like the one most powerful energetic you know impacts on the earth and there's also folks who you know who measure very specifically what the sun is up to with things like coronal mass ejections like, like you know huge amounts of energy that create cosmic waves that impact the earth and impact our telecommunications like on and on and on these are the most basic you know parts of our the celestial bodies that impact us now there's a more um uh, getting into the woo-woo end of the spectrum, there are other <laughs> things that go on. A lot of people now have heard of, uh, you know, Mercury retrograde. Uh, and so a lot of planets can go into retrograde motion, uh, meaning that um, you know, relative to the Earth, the the that particular planet over time seems to be moving backwards rather than moving forwards in the sky. It kind of you know because of the orbits and how everything all spins around. Basically, it looks like there's a retrograde or backwards moving motion of that planet. And then during that time, because Mercury is said to be aligned with uh, communication, like communications alter. Now, a lot of people take it to mean there's bad communication, it's a bad time. It isn't always the case. You've always got that kind of opportunity to kind of react to it in a certain way. So anyway, I give those few examples to say there's uh, many, 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 many other energetic uh, effects from celestial bodies uh, that are much more subtle and most people don't know about them and a, m- a lot of them happen every single year and one of them is what's called the lion's gate now with my accent i need to spell that probably so l-i-o-n-s and g-a-t-e like a gateway or mm-hmm. a vortex and so um for various reasons uh the 8th of august it 8 Uh, every year is known as the Lion's Gate portal. And uh, the lion kind of aligns with the fact that it's uh, inside of what the the Greeks call the zodiac space of Leo. And we all know that there's been various debates about a 13th star sign and all that. But all that besides, basically, that August period is considered uh, Leonine, the lion, lion, and uh, is about sort of the alignment with Orion, the three stars in the belt of Orion, and also uh, Sirius, uh, which is the brightest star in, in the sky uh, kind of after Candor kind of Norsa. And I don't want to go too further down that line because I'm not like an expert in that particular area. Fundamentally, what's happening on the 8th of August every year is a real opportunity to step into leadership. It's an, uh, it's an opening energetically, just like the moon might affect you in certain ways uh, or the sun or any other celestial body. There is a subtle impact from these alignments of uh, particularly... Um, around the the 8th. it's actually a span right it's about probably from the 6th 7th to like the 10th 12th something like that but it's uh, the 8th of august is is the date that's usually used because 8, eight, i guess um but uh what's really happening is an opening an opportunity for all of humanity especially with so much shift and change right now to step into a much bigger leadership role now can you ignore it yes you can ignore the sun you can ignore the moon. You know, who cares if the waves go in and out? Who cares if you know I'm Pisces or whatever? Does that? Yeah, you can ignore all of it. That's fine. And still, those energetic waves are are going to be shifting and changing. So I think what we're seeing, you know, on Earth right now, there's a huge opportunity, especially this year, with so much chaotic shift and opening, for folks really to step into uh, a whole new version of their life. And I, my quote-unquote prediction. Is that um, we will see that this year, like really starkly. Like, you may, maybe it's the first time you're hearing about the Lions Gate and you're like kind of Googling it, and I do suggest that you do that and find out more about it. But um, that we're actually going to see this uh, painted for real uh, in humanity, and we're, we're going to see, rather than just stresses and strains, that we're going to see a, a fundamental shift. And people talk about the new normal and so forth. Um, that if you look at many different areas of society and the impacts, not least that we're, you know, all our doctors and nurses and scientists all around the world are largely being shifted towards dealing with COVID and not dealing with anything at all that they were doing up to that point. So, you know, if you kind of look at all these vectors that we're kind of getting to the point now, eight, ten 10 months into this thing with COVID worldwide, that, um, just even from a scientific perspective, like something's got to give. Um, so if you kind of bring all those elements, the spiritual, the mental, scientific, the emotional, the feelings of it, and the actual physical things that are happening, that uh, it's my quote-unquote prediction that um, we will actually see that writ large and real in our actual 3D reality um, on August 8th. Wow. Yeah. And, so, and so do
1: you, do you have... <laughs> what do you think pain? of it? I love it. Do you have tangible examples of what you envision or what you forecast?
2: Well, something's gotta give is um is what I would say, which by the way is the name of Marlon Monroe's last movie that she was making just before she passed. Uh but um wow. yeah, like so, you know, yeah, I'm just kinda of using that and not people people got that reference. But um yeah, like um, you know, if you look at all all of the different um Well, let me say it this way. Um, There's something called Agenda 21. Mm -hmm. And Agenda 21 is a very large scale, United Nations backed uh, series of plans, 17 of them actually, of a global nature, uh, which are called at this point, they're called the Sustainability Development Goals, SDGs. And uh, this was created at the Rio Sustainability or Earth Summit, I believe, in the 70s. I might be wrong about that, but basically ratified in various countries. I mean, obviously, the the summit is just a bunch of people getting together, scientists and so forth, talking about sustainability of the planet. Uh, Ratified in, in many countries around the world, including during the Clinton administration in the U.S., and became part of the agenda for the united states around sustainability all sounds great until you actually see what's been going on since then i'm obviously a huge advocate for the planet and health and well-being i'm vegan I'm you know i run and all the you know like great stuff that's what i do i'm a well-being coach when you really look into what this agenda 21 is doing and of course it's all run by people who are not elected you know they're um NGOs, mainly non-governmental organizations, uh, they're actually guiding at the city level what is going on with the structure and the shape of uh, society. And so it's very, very interesting uh, when, you, when you see like all these meetings that are happening, public consultations that nobody shows up. Um, so in, again, we're getting out into the thin branches here a little bit, but this Agenda 21 idea has been fundamentally hijacked as a way to kind of move more humans into very concentrated spaces kind of for their own good and health and well-being. And again, I know this is going to sound very conspiratorial, but when you look into it, you're like, is that for real? Did that really happen? And like, this is really kind of what's happening, this move where, um, you know, uh, for example, rural areas uh, already have not had very many hospitals and the hospitals they have are kind of under pressure. But then if you want to get you know, kind of, uh, you know, vaccines in the future, or even just medical care, you need to kind of go into a more urban environment. If you're going to track and trace people, you know, you're going to need technology that has the ability to do that. And, you know, that's available in the city. And we've seen this already in other cities around the world where, uh, you know, any, uh, for example, any city that's had the Olympics is Mm -hmm. fully wired with cameras. Like, and this and so, like, you know, Greece, uh, Athens, for example, London, for example, Hong Kong, like many of these uh, cities that have had the Olympics, are they've used, and all of this is very technological, by the way, this Agenda 21 is a very technological uh, move to move people into mega cities. So I think to answer your question with that background, sorry if it was too rambling, but no. that, you know, that I believe, and I'd love to get your perspective on this. That uh, we are going to be all ushered into, or probably actually demand that there's some sort of centralized control with this virus thing. Because the latest uh, those news out even this morning about from the World Health Organization, it's saying this situation is going to get worse and worse and worse. Like we just can't control people. We just can't get people to all wear the masks and be distant. We don't even know if that works or not. We don't know if it's airborne. We don't know anything. Um, we're trying to work on. It. It's going to be months away. You know, people are talking about things going up and down, up and down, open, close, open, close, you know, for a year at least, you know, this is the, you know, the sort of background we're in. And, you know, it would not be a huge stretch for people to say, look, enough, like, like, stop it. Like, it's annoying to wear a mask. I'll do it. But like forever, like, what, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. what are you guys doing? Like, and so um, agenda 21 answers all of those things. And it says, look, everyone come into these massive mega cities, you're completely controlled. Everything's completely free, uh, you know, I mean, free-flowing. You can do whatever you want, no masks, nothing. Everything's cleaned every day. But you've got to be all in this small area. We can't take care of the whole country. Like, we can't run around in the in the countryside. We've got to, you know, if you. but if you give up your civil liberties and your privacy, it's not that much, right? I mean, you're tracked and traced already, <laughs> ha, ha, right? Like, it's just your life. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, um, I mean, don't be scared. Have no fear of the technology. Just live free under our dome of protection. So again, I'm getting a little futuristic, um, but this is now called Agenda 21. is now actually called Agenda 2030, uh, and these are all written documents. I'm not spouting this, you know, from you know late night googling, right? This is these are real agendas, and you look at sustainability being hijacked to move people into a very uh, structured environment, and you know, it actually ties back to much disputed philosophers like the German Hegel, the Hegelian dialectic, which basically says a group of people look at the situation, they see the problem, they see the solution they want to create to get people more corralled, more controlled, more just obedient and doing their jobs nine to five and just following along fearfully, you know, low level fear of like, oh my God, if I don't do this, then there's going to be problems for me. So if I just go along, like, what's the big deal? No problem, right? More mm-hmm. comfortable, right? Right. So this is the idea that the group of people who are kind of overseeing uh, kind of the direction of society and culture and you know, manufacturing consent and so forth, as Chomsky would talk about, you know, through the media, through these social media and all of these channels, uh, kind of telling us this is what matters, this is what we need to focus on, that all of that uh, kind of problem space creation causes the mass of most people, 90% of society, to rise up and go, look, sort this out, like, come on, like, how hard can it be? It's not even like that deadly. I mean, it's definitely deadly, it's definitely problematic, but like, you know, 80% of us are probably never going to get any sort of COVID thing, right? Or Mm -hmm. say 50%, right? I mean, a good chunk, right? And so the idea is that the human behavior becomes modified and then demands something that is counter to itself. And this is like the basic egoic fear-based, you know, kind of structure, that's been in place since you know Edward de Bernays, who was uh, a nephew of um, of uh, Freud, came over to America and kind of brought some of the Nazi-type propaganda. And again, I'm very loose with the facts here. People can Google this, but Bernays uh, created advertising, right? So he brought this idea of you know manufactured. Uh, manipulated consent with people and saying that this matters it you know it matters that you get these home appliances in the 50s it matters that you know he goes to work and she stays at home and is you know wears you know her makeup and her dresses are all perfect and the kids are all like hi daddy i love you, uh, <laughs> and, you know, he just comes home for his glass of gin and smoking his pipe so anyway i've kind of rambled on a lot but like yeah so this is my predictive space of Uh, We'll see humans requesting, you know, it's like, look, enough of the chaos. Like, We want some control. Please control us. And to my mind, you know, that's the world of fear. And that's nothing at all to do with living fearlessly. And my my concern uh, for humanity is that we might forget how to live fearlessly.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I think COVID is a slippery slope um, that's taking us into it's taking us into more so unchartered waters for what people have continuously been asleep to prehistorically. It's just been like one catalyst after another. Uh, but because of the magnified pr- presence that COVID has and how it's being played out in mass media, it's like, uh, the more this looks like it's doom and gloom, the more people are, are, are willing to, you know succumb to okay just give me a decision give me give me a solution give me a give me a whatever I don't, i'm not even going to think about it i'm not even going to critically deduce the the facts the logic i'm not even going to do real real research too I'm much just gonna, right too much right and because the thing is you know let, let's just break this down why are the homeless people not dying they don't have access to masks. They don't have, you know, they don't have access to, uh, you know, they're not cognizant necessarily for what their situations are and where they're spread out in terms of getting their shade or give, getting their reprieve. You know, they're not exercising or implementing uh, the the social Protocol. distancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These people are, the homeless are not dying. and <laughs> I, and, and yet they're the most in the world of covid and how it's being presented they would be the most vulnerable they would be the first people afflicted
2: it's weird isn't it like and i, I love your and, passion and, i have why, the same
1: and why is nobody looking at that like these are the simple glaring obvious truth right right, right? Uh,
2: yeah and then of course the flip side right as we would agree probably well Nobody knows. We certainly don't really know what's going on because we're getting most of our information filtered through some sort of media. Like, so um, why, I mean, why wouldn't you wear a mask the couple of times you have to go into a store? Why wouldn't you social distance? Why wouldn't you isolate if you can? Like, OK, yeah, I guess I'll do it. But like this is the, the, you paint you your nail on, the, uh, nail on the head like this is slippery slope. Like, we literally don't know what this COVID thing is. I think it's a real thing. I think there's definitely a virus out there. I think a lot of people are doing very well. And if you look at the people who normally do well, they're doing bloody well. Like, yes. Jeff Bezos has just clicked over to one point, was it like 172 billion? Like, he's the most, he's like almost double as rich as anybody else. Uh, you know, meanwhile. You know, it's just like, if you want to look at, like, who's doing well, like, you know, or what's going on uh, in general in this, you know, world that we've created with the consumerist West, look, follow the money. I mean, you know, I've, I have family and friends in, um, in various three-letter acronym, you know, kind of agencies, to put it that way. And, like, what they're looking at is not even COVID. Like, COVID doesn't even get on their radar as an issue. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, a viral thing. Like, it'll just, you know, eventually it'll become like the cold and flu not that it is a flu, but, you know, like eventually it'll become this annual thing that just goes around and probably get tied into the end of year stuff and people will be OK mostly. But then every end of year, it will be like, you know, virus, uh, what do you call it, vaccines. What most people who are really looking at things that are impacting us here on Earth and what's coming next and when we can make moves that are going to make a difference for us, they are looking at way more serious uh like systemic shifts on Earth. And I don't even mean systemic racism or systemic economic opportunity. I, I'm talking about how the planet gets run. Like, you know, and I'll just kind of change track for a real second. Like, what do you think about China? Like, what's your sense in, you know, in uh, the moves China is making around the world? I know you're not necessarily, you know, fully into the geopolitical of it, but like, just this sense that. Maybe China is the next empire and a lot of what's going on, a lot of this turmoil is to have us be so distracted that we're not really kind of prepped and ready for you know, our next empire.
1: Well, I'm not following it as closely as what you are. I think you're very astute and I tend to know that I, you know what you're talking about and you and I are very philosophically aligned um, I would, to be honest, I would need to do more research on that. I okay. just think there's there's just too many distractions going on all over the place, and that's contrived. That's contrived, that's manipulated, that is not accidental, that is not coincidental. Um, and for people who don't see these patterns play out historically when it calls into question why would this be happening at this particular time? Right. What's right. really going on that we should not be looking at because people don't want us to look at that. People don't want us to further dissect or question or analyze or do proper, proper research. Um, so all you ha- you know, for anybody who studies trends, for you know, p- people want to study trends about uh, disease and pandemics and things of that nature. Well, look at the timing of when these things seem to occur and mm-hmm. look at and look at what gets implemented and look at the things that we've learned from uh, previous histories of, oh, okay, like all these things that come out 10, 20 years after the fact, 9-11, I mean, we could keep going and right. going and going, right? But there's so many people who are so comfortable being spoon-fed the ways of... How to think and what to believe, and and what you know, and when people talk about popular opinion or they talk about consensus or they talk about majority of this is the way it is, you know. Take a look at that. Take a look at that. What constitutes something being consensus, and who's spinning that?
2: Right, the... and who and who benefits, and then the easiest way, and and look at the money. And here's the thing what we're going to see, you want like real proof of what's going to happen. We've already got companies saying you have to like, I'll not mention the name, but it's one of the, the big, um, I have a somebody, a very dear friend in, uh, embedded inside of one of the big news organizations. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the everyday, you know, three letter, right? Yeah. And inside of one of those, yeah, they're all three letters. <laughs> but anyway, um, they're told, you know, here's the deal got to get scanned. If you're going to come in the office, your temperature's going to be taken. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to get a code. You're going to have a unique number. You know, I mean, how mark of the beast can you get? Like they're being told their access to work is based on their health. They're connecting their infotech, like the information about them technologically held with their biotech. And once you connect those two together, you now have an external non-elected system the technocrats of the world of who the chinese are the top ones where we're like we've got this nice little image of made in china it's crappy plastic that is not how china is like you know, well done China and putting that out there. I mean, we did that in Northern Ireland too. We're like, oh, it's terrible. It's a Troubles for 30 years. You're going to get killed. Like meanwhile, we were like living in green fields and loving the lack of tourists, right? Go to Ireland. You know, like we're like, oh no, no, it's terrible here. So China did the same thing with plastic and it's crappy and the air is bad. And like a lot of those things are true and it is definitely communist and you got to follow the party, but like there's a lot, they're the leaders in the, in the technocracy that we're moving into. And this is what we're going to demand as uh, as humans in in the consumerist Western world. We're like, we can't go to bars, we can't go to restaurants, we can't get jobs. Like you know, all of this stuff, like that, you know, was actually happening even before the COVID thing is going to start ushering in. You know, at these actual things where you know there are corporations, and that's where you're going to see it. These self-contained like uh, you know, fiefdoms that basically say, if you want this nice thing, right, this is. Classic psychological play, right the you know <laughs> play on the fear right it 's fearlessly yeah. you, you know when you live in a company, you live in fear i mean i I mean I loved the companies I worked with and it was you know it was inside of Harvard, and, you know all the different ones you listed out like great companies um, it's a it 's a, a culture of fear it 's all based on fear mm-hmm. you know it 's all and even like your sales techniques like well. What's what's the cost of not taking action, right? What's the cost of not doing these things, mm-hmm. uh, of not you know spending you know 2.3 million or something? So this were, this is how we'll see it ushered in. It'll start bit by bit here and there. And oh, look at these terrible states that are not you know complying with COVID. There's so many cases. Well. They're also the most popular states, Florida, Texas, California, and New York. And guess what those four states also are in the United States? Oh, those are the four that you need to win in order to win the entire presidency, period. (laughs) isn't that interesting oh and isn't there a different response on the red states and the blue states whatever the hell that is even is because i live in a red state supposedly i live in austin texas at the moment uh but it's like it's pretty blue as well like so like this whole red and blue like false dichotomies right false evidence appearing real what's that f-e-a-r false evidence appearing real and like this is my the whole thing i love about your work is like you're like you got us that fear is underneath all of it. Like if you see that where your decision-making process is coming from is some form of fear or hatred or disappointment or whatever is on the scale of like negative emotion, like that's not your path. Like that, I don't know what your path is, but like, it's not that. you know, (laughs) like it's a distinction. (laughs) Right. Absolutely.
1: Well, and the other thing is too, Right. I mean, if you want to go really deeper, you know, what's the greatest way to depopulate the world, Mm -hmm. right? And get the people who you want to still exist, so as to one
2: child per family. (laughs)
1: Right. Right. But it's like okay. So if we talk about um, a pandemic, okay, and again, I'm not taking away from the fact that people have been afflicted, okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not negating that. Yes. But there's always a bigger agenda at play for anything that impacts people globally. Like there always is. Uh, and so, you know, the more widespread this fear gets perpetuated in the news and the more things have, we're opening up, we're shutting down, we're opening up, we're shutting down. Classic, you know, right? Behavior
2: modification. That's classic. That's, right. That's how you do it, it's in That's the textbook. Right.
1: So what happens? Well, all of a sudden people who were already dispos- uh, predispositioned to depression or domestic abuse or or substance abuse or whatever, now these things are starting to skyrocket. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the government or whomever doesn't need to necessarily pull the strings anymore. You keep people saturated in a place of fear over and over again, and they don't even know on a good day how to freaking live with themselves right. or, or or face themselves in the mirror, all of a sudden, people are shooting each other now people are killing their children now people you know what i mean because people can't handle it they couldn't handle it to begin with they were maybe right. hanging, they were maybe <laughs> they were maybe hanging by a thread to begin with because they had their freedoms they could come and go as they please you know they could go get high they could go drink they could go do whatever now everything is self contained and people who don't know how to deal with themselves have never recognized what they need to do to work on themselves now they're in this state of i am stuck in my own head my own skin my own home and i don't like myself
2: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's really it's all fun and games until you get a punch in the face you know like life's all disneyland right you know, until you know until you have to pay for it. And you know, that's that's what's happening with humanity right now. So and but the thing is there's good news, right? There are people, there are coaches, there are you know, mentors, there are guidance, there's YouTube stuff for free that you can there's books you can read. Like it all comes back to this conscious awareness of what is going on and then going like that's you know, that's not my path. Like, okay, right. I get that that you know, and it's not a selfish Approach. It's just like stop self-sabotaging. Like realizing that you're taking in this poison into your mind, body, and soul, and you're forgetting to you know guide yourself. Whether you're religious or spiritual or not, but like there's a there's a divine or like some bigger energy. Even if you're agnostic or atheistic, there's something bigger going on. Yes, for sure. Like that. So, so I think that's very
1: powerful. But at the deeper, you know, but at the superficial level. All it's being really spun as uh, without dealing with the real issues, which have been, uh, I believe, contrived. This is total manipulation. But but at the superficial level, you know, your demise or your progress comes down to, are you going to wear a mask or are you not going to wear a mask? Right. Right. Which
2: is a 14th century solution. That's how we (laughs) dealt with it the bubonic plague like it's ridiculous you know i think right you know it's it, it is beyond ridiculous and we all know it right and a lot of people are opting out right they're just canceling being canceled self-canceling you know like in our universities in our in our technology companies in our economic structures inside a government like certain things are now not allowed or you're so freaking scared of saying anything about it, you know, I mean, you can't even pop your, your member right in public and wave it around at women anymore. <laughs> like, okay, no, no, that is bad. No, you're not meant to do that. Uh, but like, you know, <laughs> but you well, know, this is, right. we're kind of got these natural preventions, right? Like built into society and like, okay, aren't we losing something? I mean, we certainly should stop the bad things, but aren't we just like labeling everything bad?
1: Right, well, and the thing that I'm concerned about Right. And again, you know, people are going to think I'm I'm conspiracy theory. I don't care. It, it's, you know, I have more questions than answers, which I think everybody should have. Right. Yeah. You can't proclaim to know inside and out definitively what's going on when the so-called researchers and the scientists and, and the medical profession don't even know what's going on. So we're going to we're going to be at the helm of. A vaccine when people don't even know how to get the preliminary stages of what's going on and playing out right under control yeah. right. And do you want,
2: sorry right. to don't do you want a rushed vaccine going to every human on earth according to Bill Gates? like well, do you want a rushed vaccine? <laughs>
1: I'm not. Well, sure I- But the thing is, I mean, you've got every day things are are magnified, right? And the way it's being spun to us and the way it keeps people submerged in fear, right? But if people are buying into that... And if people are realizing that a mask may or may not be the answer, people may still get tested positive, regardless of whether they're exercising and implementing all the so-called protocols. Okay. so if if people if if all of this is continuously escalating and it's escalating in a way where we don't know if we're opening, we don't know if we're closing, we're opening, then we're closing, we're opening, then we're closing. But you know what? Even though we don't have a handle on how to let you know definitively to the collective to the public what this is please trust us with this vaccine please trust us with this vaccine right. like anything
0: on.
2: Else. <laughs> yeah like and that's it i think you know i don't know we're we're close on our time for today but um you know the uh that's the thing that we're noticing about vulnerability in society we we've lost our ability to trust anything because we're so vulnerable, like you said before, like these things have been fearfully building up. It's sort of why you and I both got into our line of work. So we saw the underdog. We saw the person under pressure. And now it's going to be, guess who? Everybody. Like, no matter who you are, you're going to be impacted by, not just the coronavirus, blah, 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 the way I mean, we haven't got the weather systems kicking in yet either, right? And they're looking, though, you know, these natural disaster things that would be like the story of the year are happening yes. every week now. And so, like, society as a whole, we're looking at, I honestly believe, we're looking at the, uh, the lazy collapse of civilization, of the civilized systemic way in which we've interacted with each other because we've just, like gone blindly on going, oh, money and consuming and everything's all fine. There's somebody running everything for us great. I think that, you know, that is at an end. Like we're, and now we're seeing just how fake and how fragile, and how superficial everything is. And it's my hope. And I think, you know, with people like you doing the work you're doing that we can actually raise people's level of consciousness, see that there's nothing to be afraid of and just shine some light and like get on their path because there's going to be plenty of chaos, you know, as an
1: alternative. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, listen, this whole thing was about getting people informed about your podcast. So very quickly, yep. uh, where, where can people connect with you? Where can people p- become a prospective guest? Because this is why I wanted to do this.
2: Yeah, brilliant. A couple of places. Number one, gmeta.com, G-M-E-T-A.com is the main home on the web. And then the podcast is called Exovation, E-X-O-V-A-T-I-O-N. And you can find that uh, wherever you get podcasts, so it's on like ten or twelve uh, platforms. So excavation, raising human consciousness, and uh, I usually get um, two or three episodes going out per week, uh, long form, usually about three hours. So they're they're good for a nice long run or a workout or you know anything you're doing that you know you need to need some quiet from the kids to focus and you know so you have a, a nice long form. So yeah, those are the places.
1: Fantastic. Well, I just want to say thank you for everything. It was an honor to be a a gift. It was, well, I was a gift on your show. I was a guest on your show and I just, I I just want to say thank you for that. And I also want to make it known because I did, as I said, I did do a live stream to pre-announce it. Although my stuff is streaming 24 seven, you can now find me over on Alexa. Uh, You can find me on iTunes, you can find me on iHeartRadio, you can find me everywhere. Uh, But I'm taking a bit of a hiatus for the summer. I don't know what school looks like come September. Uh, That kind of knocked me out, being a teacher all of a sudden being entrepreneurial <laughs> and right. you know one day it's march break next thing it's like oh this is just permanently going to happen so anyway yeah. i'm just uh i'm still going to be working on content and things of that nature but things are not resuming as people would come to expect them on a weekly basis here on radio uh until september so this was a lovely way to finish things out uh for the summer i wish you a fantastic summer Uh, Gordon, I know we'll continue to stay in contact. You've mentioned some things that you're embarking upon. I couldn't be more happy for you in your pursuit of higher education and what you're doing. So for all the things that you continue to do to evolve consciousness uh, and, you know, to pay it forward and to be of service, I just want to say thank you, my friend. It's, It's an honor working alongside you and knowing you
2: you too absolutely all of that big huge ditto and thank you for helping us all me included live fearlessly
1: thank you and to my listening audience and to the podcast subscribers i too want to thank you for the gift of your time i'm very clear exceptionally clear on my purpose which is to uplift you to fear less and to live more uh until we resume with things in the fall please feel free there's almost six years worth of interviews that you can listen to uh And I just wish you all my best, okay? Safety, healthiness, and continue to be uplifted and do your research. Okay, out. Take care. Love and gratitude. Bye-bye.